Welcome back to another episode of Talking Addiction and Recovery. And today, I really want to talk about this concept, this phrase that you hear a lot in the recovery world from, you know, substance addiction and and other addictions as well. But um, the phrase, you know, it works if you work it. And you hear that quite often. It's one of the the catchphrases or the cliches um, that you hear. And really, you know, what what does that mean? And and this is something I've done a couple of times where I've actually presented on this um, in front of, you know, clients, family members, loved ones, um, other professionals, you know, on the true meaning of, you know, what does that mean? And really, how does it work? So when I do this presentation, the title for it is, it works if you work it, but how does it work? You know, how do you take that phrase and actually apply it to, recovery from addiction so you know I ask people a lot you know how many of you are familiar with this saying and you know hands up galore about it um you know it's not something that's very new to people some people aren't familiar with it especially if they're just not too familiar with anything in relation to you know recovery treatment um support groups um stuff like that so but most people will say they are familiar with it so what I do is I talk about how treatment, sobriety, and recovery really, in a way, are presented very familiar to people um, when they are using. And it's presented to people in a number of ways, you know, from counselors to family members, significant others, probation officers, um, judges when they get into legal trouble. Um, even, you know, commercials, pamphlets, flyers, um, there's so many times where I'm in just some random places and I see a commercial for a treatment program, I've heard them on the radio being talked about, I see them in magazines, um, probably because I read a lot of, you know, <laughs> treatment addiction related magazines, but you, you see it a lot more now and, and it advertises to how, how great it can be you know, how freeing it can be, you know, breaking the chains, how life can be so great. Um, and then I talk about it when I present this in front of a group of people. I've got this box that I got, I think, from Michael's. And it's this really nice box um, that's got this, this decoration around it that has all these positive sayings, all these great things. And I almost, I walk around and I present that everything about treatment, sobriety, and recovery is like all in here. Everything that you'd want out of it is in this package. And that's like kind of how we represent it. And, and I know that even coming from a counselor when I try and motivate someone to engage in treatment. Um, I know someone else might try and do that to get someone to get help um, instead of, you know, health consequences happening or instead of the legal stuff that might happen. It's kind of like, here, take this and it's going to be so much better you know things are gonna get there you're gonna do some great things and you'll feel better your problems will go away um so i mean that's that's one of the things i talk about so you look at well what is what are some of those promises or those lures is what i call when it comes to trying to get someone into treatment and we look at it as you earn trust back you can build back relationships you're going to think and feel better. 
save money and no more financial problems. You'll be happy and stress-free. No more going to jail, prison, or getting into legal trouble. You can accomplish your goals and reach success. And I love this idea of a, this this box because it's like this is what we're saying is going to happen if you just come to treatment and get sober. So that's us handing it over to someone that could be a probation officer, family member, loved one, counselor, mental health professionals, the community even in general. Like, hey, if you just get better, um, things can be a lot better for you and, and being a part of the community. So we kind of hand this over and with like this this promise that things are going to get better as long as you get into treatment and get better so i walk around i'm doing this as a presentation and i ask someone well who wants this you know who wants these things you know who wants better relationships who wants your um problems to go away who wants the legal stuff to vanish and everyone's hesitant at first i think they kind of know that i'm in a way kind of tricking them but someone's a good sport and someone will always raise their hand saying they want it. So I walk over to them, hand it over to them, they open it, and the box is completely empty. Um, and that's the reality, you know, is that treatment, sobriety, and recovery just doesn't give you all these things by just going to treatment. Just by being sober, all this stuff just doesn't automatically happen. So... Like, what are some of the realities of what happens when the using has stopped and someone decides to enter treatment or recovery? And it's unemployment, maybe. It could be emotional distress, mental anguish. There could be some untreated mental health. Relationships have been damaged. Ongoing legal problems. The person can now be on probation. A lot of guilt and shame. Broken trust. Um financial struggles, and even a lot of self-hate, you know, it doesn't look the way that it's presented on a pamphlet or in a commercial, it doesn't feel all glamorous and, you know, feel good, a lot of people, once they get into treatment and they get sober um, early on, they, they feel terrible, um, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, all across the board, so, the, the box is empty and that stuff's not there and in, in reality there's a lot of things that are going on when someone gets into treatment or someone does first get sober and they try and make recovery work for them so before I talk to you about how it works I'm going to tell you how it doesn't work and I've seen this plenty of times as well um, if people do not put in the work one of two things most likely happens and this is what I've noticed in my work with clients one is people will attempt to use their sobriety as a magic ticket or take it hostage, okay? The second thing that will most likely happen is that you will fill the box up with old tools and ways of coping and dealing or handling problems. So the first one is people are going to attempt to use it as like a magic ticket. So all of a sudden it's like, Oh, because I'm sober now, I should be allowed this. You know, I remember in a group session, we had this conversation. Someone's like, it's almost kind of like a gold, <laughs> a gold credit card that you can go around redeeming things simply because you are sober. So all of a sudden, you are trying to get an apartment, and um, you think that just being sober 
should be enough where someone's going to say, oh, okay, like, I'm going to give you a chance. And that's not always the case. Um, or it's like you owe X amount of money due to restitution, and all of a sudden, um, well, what's happening with that? Oh, while well, I'm sober, um, here, that'll take care of the debt that I owe, the restitution. And that, that's not how it works. Your sobriety cannot be exchanged for some of the, the consequences and the implications that have occurred as a result of your using. It's not something that can magically erase what has happened. It can't be something that is going to be um, exchanged or bartered that way. When people realize that's not going to work, that becomes problematic. Especially like things with other relationships like let's take family and trust so you're trying to build trust um, it's not there and you go to them and you say well hey I'm sober you know let, let's cash this in and I want to get some trust from that that's a very very slippery slope because in reality sobriety doesn't entitle you to anything all sobriety gives you is abstinence from alcohol and drugs so when someone attempts to use it as a magic ticket and it does not work there's a tendency to lose value in what you have with your sobriety okay so now all of a sudden being sober doesn't mean as much because it's not getting me what I want and then we go back to that old thinking of I want what I want when I want it and I want it now and that's just another one of the slippery slopes that this can lead to but that's what happens so let's go back to the example with the trust you give your you want some trust and you try and exchange your sobriety for it family member says no I still don't trust you to that point and all of a sudden you're like well why am I staying sober oh they don't want me to stay sober do you see what's happening you, all of a sudden the value of sobriety becomes lower because it's not getting you what you want so when that happens you either disregard it, like it's not important anymore. Well, I'm not getting the trust back, so being sober is not important. Um, I'm not getting the apartment that I want, so what, what's sobriety really doing for me? So people either will throw that away or they'll hold it hostage in an attempt to change someone's mind. I've seen this plenty of times where people... Um, well, if you don't trust me, I might as well start using. You didn't trust me when I was using. You're not trusting me when I'm sober. If you're going to tr not trust me either way, I might as well be using. And we know that's a, such a very self-destructive and self-sabotaging way because you you hurt other people, but mostly you, you hurt yourself. You know, it's your sobriety. You know, you're kind of holding your own sobriety hostage, thinking that other people are going to give in to demands, um, and sometimes it does, that happens, you know, that, that's enabling um, in one of its forms. But you're hurting yourself and you're putting your sobriety at risk. And, and with how fragile recovery can be and how powerful addiction can be, we want to do everything we can to avoid that from happening. Um, so we, we don't want to do that. Now, the other thing that will happen besides sobriety as a magic ticket or taking it hostage is we'll fill it back up with old tools. Okay, we'll use the old things that we used to use. So in one way or another, we're going to find ways to deal with things in our life, to, to cope with stuff. You might do it with effective tools. You might do it with um, ineffective tools. 
We could use helpful strategies. We could also use harmful strategies. So one thing is if we don't put in new tools, we're probably going to put in old tools. And I, when I'm doing this presentation, I've got these stress balls that's in the form of, I think one's in the form of a grenade, um, one's in the form of like a really angry face, like an emoji type looking stress ball. Um, so I've got these stress balls and I asked some people, you know, what are some of the old things you're still doing? And I have them identify some things. So I walk around and I give a few of these little stress balls out. And someone, for example, I remember the last time I did this, someone said like, um, I've got a really bad attitude. So I said, all right, we'll put this in the box. That's what's going in. And then all of a sudden something happens and you're going to open this box and what are you going to use? And the symbolic part is you're going to pull that grenade out, which this represented this client's negative attitude. And that's what you're going to use. You know, that's what you're going to take out from it. So our old tools could be ones that are the alcohol and drugs, the destructive, harmful ones, the lying, the dishonesty, the manipulation. It could be the, the criminal behaviors that may have been associated with the alcohol and drug use. So now all of a sudden, when I am feeling emotional distress and I want to escape or numb my pain, if I didn't put new stuff in my box, I'll probably put the old stuff in and I'm going to pull that out and use that, such as alcohol and drugs. Or my anger, if I become angry and I get into a conflict with other people, I'm going to pull out one of my old tools, which might be aggression, manipulation, might be power techniques, could be um, physical stuff. That's what I'm going to use because I'm going to find some way to deal with this anger. So this is what it comes down to as far as putting in the work is what is the work you are doing when it comes to working a recovery program? Are you putting new ways of thinking into the box? Are you getting help and support and putting that in the box? Are you learning new coping strategies? Are you investing your time into recovery? Are you learning new ways to manage your emotions? Are you even financially investing in things such as being able to pay off restitution or debt, get an apartment that you want, um, any of those kinds of things? Are you putting in new tools? Because that's what it means when you put in the work. So if you don't use new thinking, you will use old thinking. And you can see this when you are working with clients and you can tell that someone's thinking has, has, hasn't changed. And most likely why? Because they haven't put in the work to change it. So they can't go in and pull that new thinking out if they haven't put in the work to have new thinking. It sounds simple, very complicated, um, not something easy to do. So that's, that's what we're trying to look at is, so let's say you have some financial debt or you owe restitution or you have probation fees. Um, can, are you putting in the money in order to, when it comes to paying that off, to use that? So this here's a great client story example. I had this client who um, literally owed $90,000 in restitution. He was drunk and got into a car accident um, this was his multiple DUI, ended up doing a lot of damage to the other vehicle, to some city property, 
um, and also ended up hurting the individual a lot as well. A lot of hospital financial bills. If I can recall, I think I remember the the passenger's um, arm had to be amputated. Um, so this is a lot of restitution he owed for quite a while. So part of it was he felt it was so unfair that he was still on probation because he wasn't violating any probation rules. He actually went um, a good amount of time not violating anything except he was never paying his restitution. And I can guarantee you why. He thought $90,000 was going to be impossible to pay off. So I talked to him about, look, if you put some good forth effort into paying this off, you know, $10 a week, $20 a week, maybe like 100 a month, whatever you can do, start putting that towards it. When his probation comes to an end, they could have looked at that and said, okay, well, we're just going to let this go to a civil court and you can be off probation. That realistically could have happened if you had made some good faith effort towards it. So when he was in treatment with me, it was about like a three-month period that he was in treatment. He was working, full-time work, um, not not having too many significant bills. And every time I met with him, every week, no joke, I asked him about putting away money to doing that. And he wouldn't. He wouldn't put a penny towards that restitution. So you, you see what I'm getting at here? He wasn't willing to put in the money that was needed to pay off this restitution. So fast forward three months. He gets out. I tell him again what he should do. He stays out for a while. He, he's From what I know, he doesn't get into any trouble. His probation is about to end. And once again, where are you with paying off your restitution? He hasn't paid a penny. So what happens? His probation was extended once again. So he wasn't willing to put in the money so that when it came to his restitution, what did he get out of it? He didn't get anything out of it because he didn't put in the money to do that. That's what he needed to have happen. Same thing goes with if all of a sudden you are in a high-risk situation, maybe involving alcohol and drugs, if you don't have the new coping skills or the new support system, when it comes down to relying on that, you're not going to have that. If you don't go to meetings, if you don't network with new people, if you don't meet new people, if you don't connect with people, when you're in a high-risk situation, why would you think you're going to have that when you never put in the work to have it? That's what putting in the work really means. So you may have learned new ways of thinking, but are you new, using new ways of thinking? You have practiced new coping skills, but are you using new coping skills? You may understand the importance of managing emotions, but are you using methods to manage your emotions? You may comprehend the value of attending support meetings and working with a sponsor, but are you using your support meetings and working with a sponsor? All those things new ways of thinking, new coping skills, new ways to manage your emotions, meetings and working with a sponsor, that is work that needs to be put in. So treatment, sobriety and recovery is never about what they can do for you. It's not going to automatically 
do these things for you. It's not going to be this gift box full of all these amazing things that have been guaranteed to you, promised to you, um, maybe even glamorized as far as what's going to accomplish. It doesn't really owe you anything. Ultimately, what comes down to it is, it's all about the work you put into those. What are you doing for your treatment? What are you doing for your sobriety? What are you doing for the recovery that you are trying to build? We will find ways to cope and deal and handle problems, whether that be to handle them or to avoid them. And it will come down to mostly our old ways or our new ways. And the difference often lies in which one you put the work in. So when I conclude on this topic, there's, there's a couple of quotes I like to use um, that, I, that I think is really important. One of it is, just keep putting in the work and refuse to stop until you reach your goals. So when do I stop doing it? You don't. You refuse to stop. You keep doing that because that's what keeps you sober. We've all heard people who um, are no longer sober or their recovery was threatened because they stopped doing the things that helped keep them sober. Another one I liked was, I never dreamed about success, I worked for it. And I love that one because people will talk about they dream of sobriety, they dream of these things that they've wanted, they've made like wish lists or vision boards of things they've wanted, um, and hopefully sobriety would be that, once again, that magic ticket. Um, but that's that never does it. It's the work you put into it that ends up leading to the success that you'll get out of it. And then another one that I like in the end, it's if you aren't willing to work for it, don't complain about not having it. And I think that's important too because some people talk about they're not getting certain things. Recovery is not doing this for them. Sobriety is failing them at this. They're not getting what they want out of it. But in reality, it, it, those things aren't supposed to do anything for you. It's all about what you put into it. So once again, the, the end of this presentation that I do then is it works if you work it, and you work it by putting in the work. So we'll talk more on this in probably future episodes, but that's how I describe the whole philosophy behind it. It works if you work it. So hope you learned something and uh, stay tuned for next episode.